the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's Black Friday edition of the Spot Track Podcast is brought to you, as always, by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment, empowering professional athletes and entertainers with the knowledge they need to make informed decisions about their finances and wealth. Visit morganstanley.com slash GSE, Morgan Stanley Smith Party, LLC, member SIPC. Good morning. Welcome to the Spot Track Podcast, post-Thanksgiving edition. Just going to have a quick little recap of uh, what we saw, what unfolded, and what it might mean in the NFL going forward here. Some uh, pretty revealing performances last night. Uh, let's just start. Let's dive right in. Let's start with the Dallas Cowboys, who it, it certainly wasn't a must-win game against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, non-conference, non-divisional game for them. That you know They're still technically the NFC East favorites. Although it doesn't even look like a, a 500 team is going to come out of that division right now. So we'll see where that all unfolds. Philadelphia certainly has the window open now to jump back into this thing. Um, we'll see. This could be a very fruitful weekend in Dallas. We'll see if J- Jason Garrett can remain the head coach or if that's going to play out for the rest of the season. And now we've got to flash forward to what happens with Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, and the rest of the group of really notable free agents on this Cowboys roster that four or five weeks ago seemed slam dunks to be at least contract considerations. Look, Dak Prescott is a very viable quarterback. Obviously, he came came into this week leading the league in passing yards per game. Um, I think a lot of people at least have their stock rising on Dak Prescott in 2019. He's had his up and downs. That's sort of been the story of his career. He's on an expiring contract. He's made, you know, peanuts on his rookie deal. So it's going to be a big jump up for somebody to take a leap on Dak Prescott. Is that going to be Dallas? I have to imagine that even if they decide to break a couple of these pieces down, including the head coach, that that some sort of next head coach coming in isn't going to look at Dak Prescott and say, we've got to do better than this. I, I just can't imagine you start over at that position right now. Now, there are options in the draft. So it's possible that, you know, they grab somebody for the next three to four years, but I don't, can't imagine for 2021 and 2020 that any, they're going to find anybody better than Dak Prescott right now. So is the franchise tag coming? I think it's looking more and more likely. You know, wh- whether or not Dak Prescott decides he's okay playing that out is a different story. Like I said, He's playing for peanuts. I mean, his $2 million salary this year is essentially the the total of his four-year contract, you, you know, going into his rookie deal. Fourth-round pick, 135th overall. He signed a four-year $2.7 million contract back in 2016. The only reason he's making $2 million this year is because of performance bonuses. So he got a, sl- he got a raise up from the $720,000 salary he was, he was owed. So, you know, he's playing on house money right now. We, we know all the story. We've heard it all year long. He's making X dollars per week versus a guy like Drew Brees and Russell Wilson who are making exponentially more. The, the statistics are there. The wins are not. And that's kind of been the story of this, this past two years in Dallas, right? There are times when they look outstanding. There are times they're the best, most explosive offense in football. They certainly have a couple of defensive pieces that can put it together at times. They're not playing four quarters right now, and that's the problem in Dallas. And that offense is anemic when there are pieces missing. And there's one piece that's been missing, even though he's been on the field, he's been missing for three, four weeks now, and that's Amari Cooper. 
And I want to shift the conversation to, to Amari Cooper off of Dak because I wonder if the, the, the lack of health, right, he's been about maybe 60%, 70%, and maybe less yesterday after a couple of shots he took. I wonder if the past month of the Cowboys having to live without Amari Cooper at full strength has proven just how, how valuable Amari Cooper is. Dallas wasn't even a contender last year until the Amari Cooper trade came from Oakland. Um, and, you know, we guys like me sat on a microphone here and, and crushed them for giving up a first-round pick in the middle of the year to bring in a wide receiver, and all he did was turn that team right around. Right around. And the hot start that Dallas got off to this year, yes, it was, a, it was a strength of schedule issue, you know, weak schedule similar to Buffalo. So we didn't have much to hang our hats on with Dallas. But having Amari Cooper at full strength just makes Dak Prescott a better quarterback, and it makes Ezekiel Elliott, uh, you know, a more open optioned wide receiver uh, running back. So I, I point to Cooper right now as, you know, you can't, you're not going to blame him and his injury for the reason the Cowboys have taken a downward turn here. But it's certainly an impactful situation right now. He has his value to that team right now is not has not been more evident than it was yesterday when he was off the field when he was, you know, not running the routes that we know he can run, when he's not the option that he needs to be for Dak Prescott, the Cowboys' offense just doesn't tick. So I have to imagine that the order of contracts right now, if I have to guess, and this is assuming Jerry Jones isn't going to blow this whole thing up, which is very possible. I mean, we've, we have seen him do things, you know, that, that nobody sits and talks about all day long. He's, he can be erratic at times. I have to imagine that Amari Cooper's multi-year extension comes first, just just because of everything I just said. It just seems that he is the focal point right now, and it's a passing it's a passing world, right? I think they've got a capable quarterback, uh, but that capable quarterback needs a number one option. He is not a guy that can put three or four B options out there like a Tom Brady right now in his career, and make it work. Dak needs a a player, a legitimate player out there to get open and be consistent and be reliable. Um, and for whatever reason, you know, that wasn't Amari Cooper in, in Oakland, by the way. This, it, he has turned the corner as a Dallas Cowboy. But now, now you have to question the health. Now you have to look at him and say, is he, you know, injury plagued? Is he going to be a guy that can't stay on the field more than 12, 11 weeks a year? If, because that player, you know, that player's not worth the multi-year guarantee. We've seen that before with uh, players like Sammy Watkins. Even to some degree, Julio Jones has shown that. And um, we'll get to the Falcons in a similar situation, you know, a similar look at what the offense can be without their number one wide receiver option. So I think the tables have turned a little bit in the past month or so in Dallas with everybody clamoring, you know, Dak needs $35 million, Dak needs $35 million. I'm not going to say Dak's not worth $35 million. I think any viable starting quarterback in a major market, which the Dallas Cowboys are the biggest, they're the most valuable franchise we have here. Um, I mean, if that quarterback can play, he's going to get paid. Now, the franchise tag is $27 million projected next year. That's markedly lower than $35 million, and it's it's a third of what he's probably expecting in guaranteed money on a multi-year contract, right? If we're talking... The next couple of quarterbacks are going to approach the $100 million fully guaranteed at signing. $27 million for Dak Prescott isn't, you know, isn't a lot to work with, not to mention the one-year guarantee. Right? What happens after that? There's no injury guarantee for 2021 after that. So 
a lot of moving parts. Um, you know, I don't want to be too reactionary with this, but like I said, this has been about a month sample size now. Dak's going to have his up and downs. That's the kind of player he is. I'm not going to sit here and say Dak shouldn't get a multi-year contract. If, if Jerry Jones thinks we're good enough, we're just not, you know, maybe this all falls on Jason Garrett. It's very possible that he says we just need to be better. We need to be, a, you know, a, a, a more creative, intricate offense or vice versa. You know, maybe we're trying to do too much and we just got to go out there and play ball and pound Zeke Elliott and his guaranteed money right now. I don't think anybody would argue with that. All right, you've already paid Zeke. You might as well use him. You might as well use him and abuse him right now because that's the kind of you know system that I think Dallas should run through is a run first, pass second offense, especially in a situation where Mari Cooper isn't available to you at 100%. But they have all these options available to them. I mean, they can re-sign who they want at this point and keep whatever ship they want on the, on the water. I have to imagine that starts with Amari Cooper. Um, now, that's not to say they're not going to go out and make their first-round pick this year a wide receiver. That's very possible, right? Um, they're going to need to replace a couple of defensive pieces. My guess would be they'd, they'd look more towards that side of it for the from the draft. Um but, you know, the free agent options aren't going to be available either. You may have guys like Brandon Cooks fall off. Aforementioned Sammy Watkins, I think, is going to fall off the Chiefs roster. So there may be some options to go out there and get, except after you do a couple of these deals, all right, let's say they decide to keep Byron Jones at a, you know, maybe a second-tier cornerback contract. Uh, maybe they, they do decide to keep Dak Prescott on a multi-year deal, which we all know is going to be, 33 to 36 million dollars per year based on what we know of recent contracts um you know where are you going to be cap space wise to go out and sign free agents especially top free agents you know we I, I imagine guys like cooks and Watkins while their production has dipped and their injuries have increased there's still teams that need that number one option right there's still going to be you're going to have a couple of bidding wars out there come free agent time so I don't know if the free agent market is the best avenue for the Dallas Cowboys to go and get a position like that. We'll see. They sure could have used Cole Beasley yesterday. I'll tell you that. Um, that seems to be the player they're missing. I, you, know, you know, Randall Cobb has been a bit of a shell of himself. He's more of a downfield threat than he's been across the middle, which, boy, that's that just seems to be what the Dallas Cowboys need right now is that across-the-middle threat. And that has been Amari Cooper. That has been what he's, what he's done all year when healthy is the ability to get open get open across the middle of the field, you know, yards after catch, all that good stuff. He's, uh, you know, he's worth, he's worth the, uh, the price of admission, and he's worth the multi-year contract as long as you believe that his injuries aren't too big of a red flag. So I have to imagine we start there. And, and where does that mean? Let's, let's talk a, few, a bit about the numbers. Where are we talking for a guy like Amari Cooper or any top wide receiver right now heading into, you know, contract scenarios? Julio Jones if you believe that Amari Cooper is on Julio Jones's level and there's an age gap, okay, Julio Jones is 30 and kind of put himself through two to three years of wait and see with his contract, all right? He restructured to get himself a little bit more cash last year with the promise that this was that there would be a legitimate veteran contract in his lap this year. And he got one. He got one. And he got a big one. He got a fully guaranteed three for 66 add-on. Um, which is phenomenal. I mean, that's that's as good as it gets. That is mega respect from the Atlanta Falcons as to say, this is our guy. 
and you tack that on to, you know, year two of a gigantic Matt Ryan contract, which, you know, there's no getting out of that right now. There's just not. So you put those two guys together, and that's your core. And we'll switch to the Falcons in a couple of minutes here. But the problem with that, and I'm talking to you Rams fans, right? You know where you are right now, is if it goes bad, you are stuck, right? The Rams, Gurley, Cooks, Donald, Goff, and that's just a few. Those four impactful contracts, they're untouchable right now. I mean, you can, you can break out a Gurley if you want, but you're paying him his full salary. Goff is guaranteed through another two and a half years, essentially. Um, and Brandon Cooks is fully guaranteed, basically fully guaranteed in 2020. So I said you, you might have to move on from him, but that's just because you need the roster spot. You know? You're not going to save more than a couple million dollars to move on from Brandon Cooks, barring a trade. And I don't think anybody's trading for a cap hit of you know, that, that girth. I mean, you're talking $15 million plus right now for a wide receiver. Uh, I just don't see it. I don't see that happening. So that's the fear. That's what, that's what these teams are now staring at because the Rams were once the model. Right? They had everybody on, on relatively good contracts, including the quarterback, and they decided to sort of pay everybody in, the, in an 18-month span rather than stagger. I, was, I, I said it a million times on this show and on other shows as well. I'm, I was shocked at the timing of the Jared Goff contract. I just didn't think they needed to do it. It seemed reactionary. It seemed as, let's just get this done, get this guy settled in, and then we go from here. And it, almost immediately, everything turned sour, turned south. Um, I, I, I just I questioned the timing of his contract. I think you know we should be talking about whether Jared Goff should need a contract right now. We should still be talking about it because I don't think it needed to happen until January, knowing you know that the Rams really were this multi-year successful team in this window to win the teams like dallas have to be wondering are we in the window are we is our window increasing is it plateauing or are we on the down downside of it now right was yesterday sort of a wake-up call to all right maybe this thing really isn't working and like i said this could all fall on the coach jerry jones at the end of the day could say we just need to get an, an, a fresh eyes on this roster to see, you know, to sort of manipulate what we can do, maybe simplify things, maybe make things a little bit more creative. Um, I wonder if that's the route he goes, and the majority of this course stays intact through 2020. The problem is those guys will need contracts. You can't just say, let's give it another year. You've got to actually put pen to paper to give it another year. Um, and that's difficult because, like I said, you have to, they are definitely looking at the Rams and the Falcons right now as, you know, terrifying models terrifying models i mean the falcons were super bowl in the super bowl two years ago they could barely win a game last year and they're scratching and clawing themselves into com competition this year basically so i mean it falls fast it falls fast that's why you've got to think short windows you just can't think long term in this league anymore you can't do it um which is why i do think the franchise tag probably makes sense now Many of you out there might think, why not just franchise tag Amari Cooper? Maybe. I mean, he's been the injury plague guy, right? He's been the guy who's been a little bit less reliable in terms of staying on the field. Dak certainly hasn't been that. I mean, I, there is no part of me that worries about Dak, his durability, his consistency, his will to win, uh, in terms of giving him a multi-year contract. There's no red flags there for me. It's, it's simply, what order are you going to do this? Now, the Rams did it. Running back, wide receiver, pass rusher, quarterback. The Cowboys have done it, pass rusher, running back, 
and we've got question marks from here out. We'll see. We'll see. Um, they sort of saved the two most important positions on the offensive side of the ball for last, and I can understand that. And, oh, by the way, I'm pretty sure Amari Cooper hasn't been very uh, apt to sign a contract during the season anyway. It, doesn't see, it seems like all negotiations or discussions have completely broken off with Amari Cooper. So there's a possibility that, you know, I don't know why, but there's a possibility Amari Cooper isn't long for Dallas anyway. Maybe there's, there's a greener past out, pasture out there for him anyway. You know, maybe he wants to go west and hook up with San Francisco or come east to Buffalo, who could certainly use another wide receiver option going forward to make them, you know, project them to the next tier. Um, it's possible that Amari Cooper sees a, a better avenue for him, maybe a bigger payday for him as well, if, if Dallas has to sort of make these deals team-friendly to fit everybody in. There's a lot of questions coming. And the, I think the point of my discussion here this morning is I, I just think that dynamic may have changed in the last month. I think Dak has been Dak. He's done nothing consistently to push himself more forward, in my opinion, and nothing negatively to take himself down, in my opinion. I, like I said, I just think he's the same person he is as, he, as last year. And if you can accept that and you can build around him properly, that should be fine. It, it, to me, it's just, it's an exact carbon copy of the Kirk Cousins situation, which is why the franchise tag seems to be in the back of my head so much with this. I, I, we, we all kind of killed the Redskins for doing what they did with Kirk Cousins on back-to-back -back tags like that. I don't know if that was the bad approach at all. I mean, Cousins signed him, right? He signed him immediately. He said, this is enough money for me to go. You know, I'm going to accept this. I, I want to I prove that I can, you know, that I'm worth more than this. And I'm going to continue to do that. And it just seems to have worked out great for him. It just has. And, and, I, and I, you know, I killed it back then. And a lot of us killed it back then because it was a, you know, you were slow playing. I, you know, I, I love the metaphor of you didn't want to marry the guy. You just wanted to date him. I don't know if there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I can't be a guy here sitting and saying you've got to stay in short windows. You can't be thinking too long term. But then also saying you should marry your quarterback to a contract. Right. I, if. If you feel the way you feel, and I think Dallas feels the way they do about Dak in this regard, then you don't have to give that guy a contract. And you certainly didn't have to do it early like the Rams did, right? I mean, I can't imagine the Rams loved Jared Goff. None of us love Jared Goff, all right? I think we accepted that Goff was competent in that role, in that system. That's really what he is, and that's fine. Look at we knock game managers all the time in the media. I, I'm fine with it. I mean, it's part of the system, right? These, there are smart people putting systems in place, some on a weekly basis, like the Patriots, who, who flex things so much. Um, and they're building rosters accordingly. And if you can make it all work, if you can plug and play 53 men into a, a, weekly, you know, a weekly scheme and it all works out, fine. I mean, I give the Rams all the credit for what they've done in the last three, four years. I, I, I just... I question, they, for some reason, they fell in love with Jared Goff when they did, and they, they turned that into a $100 million guaranteed and in, in a, in a three-and-a-half-year guaranteed contract. So if Dallas isn't there, then there's no reason for them to, to sign him to a multi-year extension. There's no reason. That's exactly the reason the franchise tag exists. This is the exact reason. It's not a mechanism to hold somebody hostage, and I, I realize that many of us, myself included, started to think that's what Kirk Cousins was, was, was getting, was a hostage treatment, right? We're not letting you go somewhere else and play 
because we need a quarterback and we're willing to pay you this much. Now, it's not, you know, it's not the market price, but it's a fair price. That seems to be what Dallas should be doing here, right? $27 million is fine. Like I said, <laughs> Dak Prescott has made $11.5 million. Excuse me, way less than that. Dak Prescott has made somewhere around $3 million to date, and it'll be $4.7 million after this fourth year, after this final year. So $4.7 million over the four years as a Dallas Cowboy. So you want to jump that to $27 million next year? That's not a bad raise, okay? I understand that it's not multi-year and that the guarantees aren't there. But they've got a lot of mouths to feed right now. And like I said, the point of this discussion wasn't should they sign Dak Prescott. It's I think they really should sign Amari Cooper. I really think they need to. Um, I like their secondary pieces. I think Gallup's a heck of a player. I think he's a good complement to what they have. Now, Randall Cobb is a, is a free agent. So is Tavon Austin. So not only are we talking about keeping Amari Cooper, but you either have to retain or find, you know, the C's and D's for that wide receiver arsenal as well. Now, that could be a draft pick. That could be a lower free agent signing as well. You could just retain Randall Cobb if you think that worked out. I think for a couple of weeks, he, there was a real situation stemming with Dak and Randall Cobb. I mean, he, he essentially won a few games for them at the end. There's a lot of decisions to be made here. Um, the smaller ones, I think, will, will work themselves out. Like I said, you can probably go and replace a, a Randall Cobb in free agency. Uh, I don't think you can replace Amari Cooper, even in the draft, because Dallas isn't, isn't drafting top 10 here. Okay, I mean, they're going to they're gonna win, win a couple more games, get themselves in a playoff contention, most likely win the NFC East. I would imagine that's how this all plays out. So they're still playoff bound here, um, which is going to be a high teens to low 20s draft pick for them. There's going to be a wide receiver there. There's going to be a quarterback there. There's five legitimate drafted quarterbacks this this year. Um, I just don't I, – I can't imagine that Jerry Jones, after going through these past two seasons and making the all-in move they did to acquire Amari Cooper with that first-round pick, that it's all going to crumble in front of our eyes. They're going to retain something here. Um, and I think they should try to retain it all. Personally speaking, I think Dak stays in some regard, and I think Amari should stay, and I think Amari should get the multi-year contract. And it's going to be in between 18 and $22 million a year. That's just the going rate. I don't think anybody, sh anybody feels he should be at Julio Jones money. That, just, that doesn't feel right to me. No matter what the math computes, it doesn't feel right to me to put him in, at that level. Michael Thomas had a soft $19.25 million a year. We, a lot of people call it $20 million a year. It's not. It's barely 19.25 when you hash out the first three years of cash, um, and then Tyreek Hill's at 18 million. Uh, to me, it's going to be in that in that range, right? That's the that's the fishbowl we're dealing with when we're talking about Amari Cooper's next contract. It could very well be, you know, a four-year, 80 million dollar contract, 20 million a year, two fully guaranteed at signing. That third one gets kicked in later, uh, you know. And cap-wise, you can float that as you need. You can add some dummy years. You can throw them a decent signing bonus. A lot of these major contracts have had double bonuses. Bonus in the first year, bonus in the second year. Keeps, you, uh, keeps your dead cap a little bit more spread out and keeps your cash flow, cash flow a little more spread out. You can keep your base salaries low and uh, work from there. A lot of the quarterback deals have looked like that. Uh, Zeke Elliott's deal looks like that. So I imagine Cooper's structure would be similar. Um, but then... Like I said, then you got to bring it back to Dak. Is Dak going to play on a $27 million franchise tag? To me, that's the biggest question mark. I think if Cooper wants to stay, 
they can get that deal done. And they should get that deal done. That should be the priority now. And then you, you slap DAC with the tag. That gives you six months to hammer out a multi-year extension if that's the route you want to go. Or you sit down with DAC and say, this is, listen, we need to stagger these things. All right, we need you to play on this this year with the premonition that is, if all goes well and, you know, the stock keeps rising and this course seems to gel even more and more, that we can get you in in 2021, okay, prior to 2021. Um, it's certainly doable to sign a quarterback and a wide receiver in the same year. But again, I'm going to point to the Rams, who didn't stagger this stuff well and are now stuck with a core that should have been successful but isn't. You know, they just, they're just not. I mean, they're not playoff bomb this year, and that's, that's damaging to a payroll that is it's massive right now, right? It's not about cap. It's about cash right now. You are bleeding cash to players and bleeding service time, right? You're bleeding prime years on players that just aren't performing well together right now. Uh, I don't know if Jerry wants to think that far down the line. That's my point. If you like Dak, but you don't love him, franchise tag him. If, you, if you're in the same vein as I am and you understand just how valuable Cooper is, not just that first-round pick he gave up for him, but literally – the ebbs and flows of the season sort of go with Amari Cooper's health. If he's that important and that valuable to your offense, four for 80. Okay. Four for 80, 40 million guaranteed at signing at least. So we'll see. I'm not going to overreact to a, you know, what was a messy day in Dallas, uh, you know, on the heels of a show where we broke down how the bills built themselves into what we thought looked like a pretty good team. They were seven and two at the time. Uh, here we are nine and three. This is, a, this is a real contender. The Bills are a real contender, and they've got a couple of games coming up. In, uh, the biggest one in 10 days when Baltimore comes to Buffalo, and we've got Baltimore, San Francisco in a couple of days here as well. So we're going to know a lot more about Baltimore. We're going to know a lot more about the AFC over the course of the next two weeks, you know, and we'll see if New England trips up a little bit here and, bring, and comes back to the field a little bit or if they're going to step away and just run away with this AFC going forward. It's not. There was a lot to unpack on Thanksgiving. I think the easiest takeaway was the debacle in Dallas. But let's move forward to that primetime game. Uh, Saints-Falcons, I think a lot of us just assumed it was going to be a decent game because it's a division game. And New Orleans always seems to struggle on the road in division games. They, you know, they find a way. And they've you know, remained top of that division for a bunch of years now in the Drew Brees era. They certainly found a way yesterday. It got ugly at the end there, even though nobody was there to see it. Um, they've got their own decisions to make, but we're going to talk about the Saints later. We're going to let the Saints season sort of unfold and, uh, and then maybe see what happens from there because I wonder if uh, another deep Saints run and you know potentially a Super Bowl run from the Saints doesn't automatically answer our questions about Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater and all that. So I'm going to leave that alone for now. I do want to talk about the Falcons. Because as I mentioned a few times here, it's starting to feel like the Falcons and the Cowboys might be in the same boat, even though the Falcons are more linked to the Los Angeles Rams, as I mentioned. Their core is locked in. Okay, I mean, they gave Devontae Freeman the contract. They signed a couple of defensive players in Grady Jarrett and, and, uh, and a couple of their edge rushers and a couple of their cornerbacks as well. Now, none of these contracts were mind-blowing. I mean, Grady Jarrett got $17 million a year. He got $38 million fully guaranteed. But... You know, that's just a two-year guarantee. Nothing crazy there. Um, you know, the quarter, cornerback, Desmond Trufant, he's been 
average at best. He's playing on a five-year, five $70 million contract. So there's a couple of pieces that just simply haven't worked out. Julio Jones has been Julio Jones. He was inactive yesterday. And Atlanta's been on a little bit of a run here. Um, they sort of kicked the, you know, pushed the gas pedal down a little bit in the last month or so. And many of us expected that that game yesterday was going to be a who-are-they-really kind of game, right? Are, are they really turning it back around a little bit? But then we find out Julio Jones is inactive, and that offense is a, is a shell of itself again. Again, it, it's just it's in your face just how valuable players like Julio Jones and Amari Cooper are. They're, they are important as hell. They just flat out are. And we can talk about how you need five good wide receivers, but more and more we're seeing how, how much you need one great one. You, ju- you just do. Now, do you pay that one great one? That's a different conversation, I guess. You know, to, to me, everybody has enough cap to where you should be able to pay your premier positions anytime you need to. Yes, you should stagger them, which the Falcons have done to some degree. I mean, Matt Ryan got his deal two years ago. Devontae Freeman got his deal last year. Julio Jones got his deal this year. I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I mean, that's the, to me, that's the right way to do things. Stagger them out so that your dead cap is essentially never all in, in at one time. There's plenty of dead cap on this Falcons roster right now. They're not, they're not just ripping it right, right down. I expect Freeman gets released. Devontae Freeman, the running back. And there's you know, a laundry list of running backs that are on the, the roster bubble list that we posted a couple of weeks ago here. I expect he's, he's moved on from just so the Falcons can clear some of this 2020 cap space. Julio's going nowhere. Matt Ryan's going nowhere. Tight end Austin Hooper, who was inactive again for, with an injury, he needs a contract. You're getting to a point where players like Calvin Ridley are going to be considered for contract extensions, not this year, but next year. Um, so we'll see. My point in the Falcons is they've had back-to-back bad seasons now, and they still can't rip it down. Now, they can try to trade Matt Ryan if, they, if that's something they think they need to do, but that would, the only reason you do that is because you're 100% taking. You're going Dolphins, all in tanking. Um, and at that point, you're certainly trading Julio Jones as well. You're not going to leave him on a, uh, on a bus going over a cliff. So they're sort of in limbo. They're, they're a little bit in Rams limbo, not to that degree, um, but they've got a plethora of free agents as well, many on the defensive side of the ball, and I expect plenty of defensive cuts from the Falcons. I just do. I think they're probably going to have to let Vic Beasley walk on his fifth-year option. I think they're going to have to let a couple of their interior depth players walk. And then, like I said, I, I imagine some of their secondary has to walk as well. It's a, it may be a situation where they start to look like the Chiefs a little bit, where they have to spend so much of their, of their capital, draft and free agency, on the offensive side of the ball to get that thing regenerated, restarted, because Matt Ryan and Julio Jones exist right now and they're really not movable. You're going to have to pump so much effort and energy and cap into your offense that I expect that defense to be tough next year unless they really, you know, hit lightning in a couple of draft picks. But it's essentially what the Chiefs are right now, right? They have, they've essentially put all their eggs into the offensive basket, and, you know, we're seeing what happens. They give up a ton of points. They've got to score 35 to 40 to get themselves a comfortable victory right now in 2019, and it hasn't happened very often. So it's a risky move, but like I said, they're in limbo right now. They're not going to rip it right down. They're going to look at themselves and say, all right, we've got Matt Ryan for at least two more years, and we've got Julio Jones for two more years because of the guarantees. We can move on. We can trade them. 
load up on draft picks and start this thing over. That is an option. It's not a good option, but it's an option. Or we can try to rebuild this thing on the fly and see what, what we can get. I mean, I don't think Matt Ryan's a bad quarterback. I don't think he's an elite quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback. I put him in the same conversation. I, can, I put a Kirk Cousins right now. Tons of numbers, tons of stats. Looks great on your fantasy roster most weeks. Um, but when his options aren't there, and they're not right now, he can't get the job done. And that's okay. I, I, I spoke to it earlier. Game man- There's nothing wrong with a game manager, especially on a team that isn't built to win and built to contend. You've got to do what you've got to do. Tom Brady's doing that right now. Tom, Brady, Tom Brady's offense is not built to win. And there'd be a lot of quarterbacks out there that would get in, the, in front, you know, behind that center and struggle mightily. He is compromising. He is sacrificing. He is making a concerned effort to squeak games out offensively. And that's a credit to his brilliance. Um, and you can read about all of this stuff. Listen, <laughs> there's... This stuff is right in itself right now, this content. I mean, we, we couldn't talk enough about this Dallas Cowboys situation. We've talked about him almost every single week, all year long, all season long. And to, to be real, all off-season long. And guess what? We're going to continue to talk about Dallas all off-season long. Okay? And we're going to continue to talk about these veteran quarterbacks. The Breeze, the Roethlisberger, the Rivers, Eli, Newton, Brady. Many of them need contracts. And the other ones either don't have a contract or are probably going to be released or traded this offseason. So we are not short on NFL quarterback content, that's for sure. And we're, and we're not short on NFL team-building content either. Um, like I said, these, what are the Rams going to do? Are they going to just keep pushing forward and hope they find you know, shallower water? Are the Falcons going to stay in limbo? Or are they going to blow it up, spectacularly blow it up? Uh, it's possible. I wouldn't recommend it. It's possible. But they also don't have the cap space in 2020 to go out and really, you know, bring in a couple of gigantic players to try to, to re-energize this offense. So if I'm in that front office right now, <laughs> you're probably getting a new head coach as well. You know, I, I mean, they've, they've sort of said all the right things with Dan Quinn. But again, just like in Dallas, that's going to change things, right? If you bring in a new coach with a new philosophy – does Matt Ryan's system work? Can you make Matt Ryan work in whatever new system you have? Are you a run-first offense? If you are, maybe Devontae Freeman does stick around. Um, we'll see. We'll see how that all works. Same, same goes in Dallas. Can, you, can a new system in Dallas work with whatever Dak Prescott's ceiling is? We'll see. There's going to be plenty to read about. You're going to be reading it at The Athletic. Today's episode is brought to you by The Athletic a subscription-based sports news site delivering in-depth sports coverage for real sports fans. Get detailed coverage of every trade, every free agent signing, all the good stuff from national sports writers like Ken Rosenthal, Michael Lombardi, Pierre Lebrun, and analytic experts like John Hollinger and Seth Partnow. And we have a special, very special, Black Friday special going on with The Athletic right now. This is a big one, guys. I'm going to read it right here for you guys. This is a big one. 66% off Cyber Week starting on Monday. All right, starting on Monday, come to SpotTrack.com, click on one of those, ad, on those ad, uh, ad banners. You'll see it right in front of your face. I'll be tweeting this stuff out as well. 66% off your one-year subscription to The Athletic. That's pretty bonkers for the amount of content you get. I mean, you get every team from all the major sports. And, oh, by the way, we've got a little partnership with them. So if you're on SpotTrack and you're looking at your favorite team's financial information, in the sidebar or right in front of your face on your phone, 
is the, the latest articles from The Athletic for that team. So we've got a, little, a nice little uh, data partnership set up with them. So come and check out your financial information as you do on our site and click and read a couple of those articles as well. There, many of these articles are financial-based. They're talking about caps. They're talking about roster bubbles. They're talking about Dak Prescott's next contract. So there's plenty to read. You know, there's a lot of synergy between what we do. And, you know, we're not doing a lot of writing these days because keeping up with the numbers has been, been enough. So, you know, take a look at what they're writing. There's a lot of synergy, a lot of partnership between what we're doing. And 66% uh, off your first year. Can't beat that right now. Join today. Visit The Athletic. And like I said, starting Monday, come to Track, click on one of those ad, uh, banner ads, and get yourself a nice cheap first year doing it. All right. That's pretty much it. I mean, Thanksgiving was great. I, I'm in Buffalo, so I'm a little bit biased, right? I'm not going to sit here and talk about how great, that, uh, great a win that was for the Bills, because like I said, we just did a, a little bit of a show on them as a precursor to say, I, I love the way they've built this thing. I just do. I think they did it in the order in the manner that has to happen right now in this modern football, this hard-capped era. You know, you have to decide if you, you do have to break it right down. You have to take the dead cap on. You have to understand your losses. You have to understand which players are replaceable. And you have to decide which, which, where the best avenue to replace them is. And I've mentioned it a few times here. You know, is finding a wide receiver in the draft versus free agency the better option? Is finding the quarterback in the draft versus free agency a better option. And look at it, that changes on a yearly basis. You've got to be looking at the free agent list and assessing the strength of it and the, the likelihood that you can actually ascertain one of those players. Okay. So we'll see. I mean, there's going to be, I, I wouldn't say it's a great free agent year across the board from what I've done initially. There are a couple of players on the roster bubble list that I think other teams will be jumping on immediately, especially from the quarterback position, especially from the quarterback position. Um, but from there, you're looking at a wide receiver heavy draft, a quarterback heavy draft. It's not a great defensive line draft. I think many of the teams th did their damage in the 2019 draft on the defensive line. So we'll see. And then tight ends, both of which the Falcons and the Cowboys will need. I don't, I don't know that Jason Witten comes back in 2020. And like I said, there's not much cap space for Austin Hooper to get a new contract in Atlanta. It's doable. And they probably should do it. He seems to be a real player, a real threat. But I think players like George Kittle are going to reset that tight end market and put Austin Hooper in a really good position financially. I don't know if Atlanta can keep up, keep up with that. So a lot of decisions to be made here. Like I said, the, the draft versus free agent, do you push? Do you push all the way in? Does Dallas go all the way in? Do they just, they just end up giving Dak the contract and Amari the contract and a couple of defensive players and keep this thing together? Do they rip it right down with a brand-new coach? Or is it, like I, like I mentioned, give Amari his multi-year deal, franchise tag, tag, tag Dak Prescott, and with the understanding that this is just a staggering purpose, we're going we're gonna to let you play out one year on $27 million, which is a nice raise for you anyway, and then we're going to come back and get you the deal in 2021. I, to me, that makes sense. It's not logical. It's not. It's not logical for an agent and a player to sit down and accept those terms. But... We all know Dak Prescott's making a ton of money off Campbell's and a ton of money off local Dallas, you know, sponsorships as well. So there's a chance that the money doesn't mean that much to him on the field right now. There's a really good chance that he knows that as long as he stays in a Cowboys uniform wearing that number four jersey, you know, the money's out there to be made. So it's illogical to, to assume that an agent will sit down and agree to what I just laid out. 
But from a team-building standpoint, if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, that's the approach I'm looking at. I'm, I'm taking one more year on Dak Prescott in order to get Amari Cooper done now because Amari Cooper has done enough and his injuries have shown enough that he's worth being on this team for two more years, which the guarantee would be. All right. That's our uh, post-Thanksgiving Black Friday edition of the uh, Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening. We're brought to you, as always, by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment, empowering professional athletes and entertainers with the knowledge they need to make informed decisions about finances and wealth. Visit morganstanley.com slash GSE. We'll be back Monday with Paul and Kevin and maybe a little Scott to talk some NBA. And we'll be back soon. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. <laughs>